1, Hebrews chapter 1. We didn't get very far last week, and we're not going to get very far this week. <laughs> we, got, we started out in verse number 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake, notice, in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. That's as far as really we got last week. And we're going to finish verse number two, hopefully. I've got about till Christmas to get this message in. I'm telling you, it's, I'm going to cram, so you're going to have to suck, buckle your seatbelt and hold on because we're going to go uh, pretty, pretty fast. There's an awful lot of material, but if you chop this up, you're going to miss it. So I'm going to try to get it all in there. Um, one of the things that people does not, do not understand is sonship. Sonship. Uh, I hear people sing this song, uh, you know, I'm adopted, hallelujah, I'm a child. You ever heard that? Uh, not biblical. And we're going to prove to you why. And he starts out uh, in this, this, uh, this passage and he teaches us about sonship. And most people just read right over to have no idea what he's talking about. And if you understand this, you'll be able to understand the prodigal son. Because when he came back as a prodigal, he was placed as a son. And all of you are looking at me like, what? You'll find out later on in Hebrews. He refers back to this time. Uh, and many times throughout the scripture, he does the same thing. So we're going to start with the two ver or the last part of this uh, uh, verse number two. It says he had spoken in the last days to us by his what? His son. Okay. Then notice it says whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world. So we're going to concentrate on that last part because as we read over it, we don't see really what it's talking about and how vital and important it is. Uh, there's, different, there's different teachings in the Word of God, some about salvation, some about sanctification and things. Let me rephrase or, or rehearse this uh, stages in sanctification. There's three different stages of sanctification. First of all, initial sanctification. That's when you get saved. That's when we become a child of God. We call it salvation, okay? That's initial sanctification. You have been set apart. That's why he addressed the Corinthian church. He said uh, he called them saints. That's the word, hagios. It means to set apart, to be separated. So we are separated from the world now unto God. We've taken from the world's family, we've been born again into the family of God. That's initial uh, sanctification. But now what we're going through as believers is called progressive sanctification. We are changing constantly from the day we got saved, we learn more. We see how God deals with us and we begin to change. That's why we go through discipleship because we are progressing. 
Uh, we're conforming uh, to the image of Christ. We're changing and growing. That's, that's called daily sanctification. And then number three, you have ultimate sanctification. Ultimate sanctification is when uh, we call the rapture. When Jesus Christ comes and redeems our body. Our soul's already been redeemed. We're saved. We're being changed all the way through. But when Jesus comes for us and we are taken to glory, we will be changed in a moment and twinkling of eye. We'll go to heaven. That is ultimate sanctification. That's the day of redemption. Are you with me so far? Because we're going to go back through this in different terms and you'll see how God teaches this. Uh, when, when he's the ultimate sanctification takes place, that is called son placed. It is the term adoption. Okay. Now notice in Hebrews chapter one, verse number two, his son talking about Jesus, right? Then it says, whom? That refers back to Jesus, okay? Then he, the father, all right? Notice he says, hath appointed. Hath appointed. The word appointed here means to put or to be placed. Now, God then here has appointed his son, to a specific place. And this place, he says, as is the heir. He becomes the heir. And that is one who receives the allotted possession or right of sonship. Okay? He's been given the right of sonship or being son-placed. That's called biblical adoption. Biblical adoption. Now, to help you understand, let's go back and let's look at the, the, the context of what they're talking about back in Jesus' day. There was three main events that happened in every, every young man's life uh, as far as a Hebrew. In the life of the average Hebrew boy in Jesus' time, first, the first major event was his circumcision. His circumcision, that occurred when he was an infant at eight days old. The child was called, and you go back in the Old Testament, Genesis 17, and it is called a covenant son. When God told Abraham to, to, to circumcise him, he said they were entering in, that son, that child, was entering a covenant relationship with God. Okay? So you start off with the circumcision at eight days old. That was when he became a covenant son. He was a child of that family, considered a child of that family. All right. Now, this covenant was so important that you could break the Sabbath for it. And you know how the Hebrews were death on keeping the Sabbath, but... For circumcision, you could break the Sabbath in order to make this happen, to perform that circumcision. The second 
major event was at the age of about 12 years old at their what they call bar mitzvah. It actually means a son accountable. Okay? The covenant son was at circumcision. But at about 12 years of age, the son became accountable. That this was the time not only when he was held accountable for keeping the commandments of God, but also he was to become an apprentice under his father and in that family business and the, the workers of the father. Now, I believe that this apprenticeship took place at the age of 12 with Jesus when Mary and Joseph started going back after they'd been worshiping Jerusalem and they find him in the temple and he says what? Know you not that I must be about my father's business. When he began to submit himself to the Father's will, and all the way through, most of the time, he says, I'm not here to do my will, but the Father that sent me. And you begin to put all of these verses in place, and you see what's happening. He's in this period of time in his life. He also goes back, and he was subject unto his earthly father, and learn the carpenter and stuff like that. The third event, and what we want to focus on, is known as Husithia. That's the Greek word, Husithia, which is the adoption ceremony. This happened between the ages of about 20 and 30 years old. It was called son placement. It indicates the time when a male child would, child would reach what's considered the age of maturity. At that time, the father of the young man would take him out to the gate of the city or to the elders, wherever they would be. He'd place his hand on the, son, uh, on the head of the son, and he would give a statement pretty much like this. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I bestow upon him now all of my riches and power and authority so that he might act on my behalf in all my affairs. He was already his son, but he all this time he was under governors and tutors. But now when the father says he's ready, now he brings him to the gate of the city, lays his hands on him in front of all these people, and declares, now he can sign my name on all the documents. He, is, he is, has all the power he needs to. And as you see, Jesus is taking that control. Later on, that's why after this, after this happened, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He had been sun-placed. You say, well, when was that? I'll show you as we go through. Are we, are we clear up to this point? All right. There's three words used to describe the stages of a child or a son. And if you, in English, we don't see this stuff. And this is why you have to study. 
that these three words, first of all, it's circumcision. On that eighth day, the Greek word for the young child is padion. Okay? Padion. It's the young child, that, that infant. Okay? Then in the temple at age 12, the Greek word for child, same word child in the English, but it's the word technon. It's a, young, it's a young, younger boy. He's growing up now. He's not that toddler. He's not that little infant. Now he's technon, a child. And then in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, the word that we just read, the son is the word Huios. Huios. The word for adoption is Huiostasia. The first part is the term son. The other part of the term is placement. So what he is saying here, that this son, God has placed him in the position of an error. He, he was already the son of God. He was already God's son. But now the father has taken him and son placed him. He has all authority. He is the, now the judge of all things. Everything comes under his authority here. We also his son, thesis is placing or son placing. Now think this through. We begin our life as a Christian, as a little child, an infant born into the family of God. That's why we call them babes in Christ. Then as we progress on to young men, technon, now we become apprentice in our father's business. We're under tutors and governors. We're learning. We have discipleship programs. We're teaching. We have Sunday school classes. We're teaching and learning. We have services and we're learning constantly, just like tonight. I hope you are learning a little bit. That's what we're doing. We're growing. We're changing that technon that age of that son. But finally, we become mature sons, we us, adopted when we are conformed to the image of his son. Make sense? All right. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. Romans 8, 15. The Bible says, for ye have not received the spirit of, a, of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit, notice, of adoption. He didn't say you were adopted. He said you received the spirit of justicia, of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, we have the spirit, but we're not adopted yet, folks. We are a son of God. We're growing, but we're not adopted yet. We only have the spirit of adoption. The spirit itself beareth witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. Technon is the word there. And if children, technon, 
then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified, also glorified together. He said, we are children of God, technon. But, he said, with that, we have been promised that we will be sun-placed. We have been promised that we will be heirs with Christ. But also, he said, if so be that we suffer with him. We're going to be going through some things in our earthly life. Suffering, growing, pain, trusting the Lord. Why? That we may be also glorified together. Verse 18. He said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory, which, what? Shall be. Hadn't happened yet. It's going to happen in the future. It's future tense here. He said, shall be revealed in us. Verse 19, watch this. For the earnest expectation. Now, what is expectation? Future. We don't have it now. If we have it now, we don't have to expect it. Uh, We are expecting something that's going to happen in the future. And that's why he says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation, apocalypsis, of the sons, we saw, of God. We are waiting for that adoption. Okay? The passage really is much clearer as you, as you take your time and look at it and see these terms shall be revealed. Earnest expectation waiteth for. The whole thing is future, future, future. Waiting for what? He said to be the, the, the huios, the adoption of God. Now, the future, the, the heir, is, that's guaranteed. We're going we're gonna to be, we're joint heirs already in God's mind, but it hasn't taken place yet. How many of you got your inheritance from God yet? We don't. We get that then. So Jesus being son placed. Now notice, Jesus was fully the son of God by the virgin birth. We too become the sons of God by the new birth. We had a good time going through this in discipleship. Brother Dennis and I uh, have enjoy yourself in Seattle, brother. Uh, in Galatians 3.26, he says, For ye all or you are all the children of God by faith. We become children of God by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Okay? We're at salvation. We become a child of God. Okay? That paid Now, Jesus himself was under governors and tutors. He gets this after becoming accountable, that accountable son at his bar mitzvah. 
Luke 2.51, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Now watch this. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. What did she do? She said, what has just taken place here is something special. She's recognizing that there was something happening there. God don't just throw words in there, just throw words in. But what he had just said, know you not that I must be about my father's business? And she took that in her heart. She knew that God was doing something special. Now, Galatians 4.1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child. Now notice, he's already an heir in God's mind. But as long as he is a technon, long as he is a child, okay, differeth nothing from a servant. The rebellious son goes off, wastes all his money, comes back. What's the father do? Puts the robe on him. He's still part of the family, still my son. And then he gives him the ring. Anything that I have is his. He can sign my name. He has all authority. He placed him as a son. You've learned your lesson. There's much more that took place on that day than just welcoming him home. He said, it differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Jesus, although he was God, he was Lord of all, differed nothing different than a servant. That's why when they always ask him, he said, I'm, I'm just giving you the word that, God, that my father gave me. I'm just telling you, I'm just doing I, all of this. It's what the Father has commanded me. He was under tutors and governors. He was the one that was submitting himself willfully to the Father. Notice verse 2. But is under tutors and governors, notice, until the appointed of the Father, the time appointed of the Father. He'd been learning. He learns until the adoption. You and I are learning learning, learning until we get to that place where we are son placed, where we are adopted. Look at verse 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but it, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem that were under the law, talking about the new birth, that we might receive, had not yet, the adoption of sons. It was still future. Not that we have received, but that we might receive the adoption of sons. He said, we're under governors and tutors until that appointed time of the Father. And then he says, We've been waiting, but now that adoption will come. Verse 6, and because ye are sons, now you're sons, God has set forth, sent forth the spirit of his son. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He is the earnest. Do we have, when you go to buy a house and you put the earnest money down, have you paid for the house? 
<laughs> no. It, it still belongs to loan company. All he, you've done is given the earnest which guarantees that the rest of the payment is coming. The Holy Spirit is the earnest. The spirit of adoption, the spirit of the Son is given unto us until that purchase possession. Now, he, God has sent for the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, we no more a servant, but a son. We're born again, and if a son, then an heir of God. We, that's coming. In God's mind, the inheritance of adoption is guaranteed eternal security. Though he be Lord of all, though God has promised us all these things, and they're ours, but he hadn't given them to us yet. Now, Ephesians 1.14, the Bible says, which is the earnest of our inheritance, notice what he says, until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. The earnest of our inheritance, the earnest of what we're going to get is given to us. The Holy Spirit is given to us until the redemption, when it's all over, when we're sun-placed. Ephesians 1, 5 says, having predestined, it's predetermined in God's mind, uh, us, he's pre having predestined us, notice, unto what? The adoption of children. We haven't been adopted yet, but he has predestined us unto the adoption in the future. Okay? By Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. This pleases God. This is his plan. Now, Jesus, when was he placed uh, or son placed by the Father? This will give us a whole understanding of many of these verses. He was always God, the very son of God, but he was son placed at his resurrection. And I'm going to prove it to you, I believe. Acts 13, verse 33 God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus again. That is also written in the second psalm. And what is he quotes the psalm, second psalm, what does he say? He said, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. What's he talking about? The resurrection when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he said, this day I have son placed you. Now, some might say, well, maybe not. Well, look in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 5. So also Christ glorified in not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. God made him the high priest. God placed him as his son at the resurrection. He became our high priest. 
up until this time you had earthly high priests and an earthly priest, but now at his resurrection, he was sun placed and became our high priest forever. Hallelujah. It all come at the sun placing. Then he says in verse number six, as he also said in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Romans 1, 4, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, the son placed. Just as Jesus was son placed at his resurrection, we will be son placed at our resurrection. That's why he said in Romans 8 and verse number 23, and not only they, not just creation, talking about creation here, that not just creation is groaning and things, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has come and lived in our heart, the Spirit of His Son, the Spirit of adoption. Even we ourselves groan. What's He talking about? We're longing for something. We're looking for something. We're groaning that anticipation within ourselves. Watch what he says. Waiting for the adoption. Just like the earth. Just like creation. We're under that bondage. We're under that, that curse and everything. But we are groaning within ourselves. We are waiting for, he says, the adoption of Usithia. It is not ours yet. We haven't been sun placed. We're still growing. If unless you've arrived, I don't know. But we are being, we will be sun placed at our resurrection. Notice he says, to wit. That means that is to say. He says, to wit, the redemption of our body. When Jesus Christ calls us up, whether we be in the grave or whether we be alive, he says, at that point, the resurrection of our bodies, when we're taken to glory, he is placing us, he is adopting us as his son. Now notice he says, goes on in, in Hebrews chapter 2, he is uh, by his son whom he hath appointed heir. Notice of all things, when you go back and you begin to look, everything, he claims authority over everything. All power, all authority is given me in heaven and earth. And that's why he can command us because he is all the, the authority of all things. Everything belongs to Jesus Christ. Matthew 21 or 22, 21. I always love this, this. He says, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And I'm thinking, everything belongs to God. I mean, the money, you, the, the silver you put your stamp on and your, your Roman head on that insignia, it's still God's. 
Everything we have belongs to God. That's the principle of the tithe. When we're tithing, it's because we're saying, God, you are right. You own everything. You own the breath I breathe. You own the blood in my veins. You own my body. You own my money. You know, you own the cars. You own my family. You own my career. You own everything. And that's why we're honoring you by just giving you a portion to let you know we agree with you. Adoption. All of God's riches and power and authority and perfection are his. Everything belong, we belong to, to Jesus Christ. Our life, our salvation, our mate, our children, our talent, our mind, our body, our job, our possessions, our time, everything. I'm simply a steward under governors and tutors, waiting, groaning, looking forward to that day that I am adopted, son-placed. Notice he says, by whom also, in Hebrews 1-2, by whom also, by this same Jesus, he said he made the worlds. Now, many times people will look at that and they'll say, well, he created this, the stars and the, the earth, and that's not, what, that's not what he said at all. It's the term made or produced or constructed. It's the word aeon. It's not cosmos. Cosmos is the physical world. Aeon means the time. He created even time. He created all the different generations, all the spaces. He, he created the age when he dealt with man in innocency, and then the family, and then the, the government, the law. He's going to deal with man in the tribulation, and he's dealing with us in the church age. All these aeons, all these ages, he said he's the one that created them all. He made them. He also goes on and says all things were made by him, basically. He's the one that made everything. Only God can create. Only God is the creator. Now think with me. I know that, and I'm not here to, I'll sing that song. If kids want to sing, you know, I'm adopted, hallelujah, <laughs> I'll sing it with them. But I want you to understand you're not adopted yet. You're a child, just as much a child of God the day you got saved. But so often, and, I, and I'm bringing this really to, to us to, to help us understand, you know, we, we believe a lot of things that aren't in the book. People have told us something and we just assume and we go on with it and we start teaching it and we start espousing it. And it's not there. For 26 years, I was raised in the Lutheran church. And all that time, we, we, we were told all of this and told all of this, and we're supposed to do this, and we're supposed to believe that. And after I got saved, my wife and I, we, we, when I was home, we would sit there in bed at night, and we'd get our old catechism books out, and we'd start going through it. I mean, we, we'd save Lutherans. <laughs> And we begin to find out the verses that they're putting in this thing is not what it's saying in the book. And we found out there was a whole lot of stuff 
that we were, we're finding in the book that wasn't in what they were teaching. My, the pastor that married my wife and I, years later, I, when I took over as pastor in Sedalia, Missouri, and the guy before me was a pack rat. I mean, he didn't throw nothing away. I mean, he had papers from, we threw about three, am I right, honey? Wasn't it about three Dempsey dumpsters just of nothing but paper and trash and stuff that he hoarded back? Well, I'm going all through this because I don't want to throw something out that's good. And I look, and here's a gospel track. And I looked at it, and it, I double take, and it's written by the man that led my, or that married my wife and I. <laughs> and the title was, there was two tracks. I got them at the house still. One of them was the Millennial and Rapture Hoax. And then I understood why I had never even heard of those things before. And the other one is the Christian free to worship in any church he believes. And the whole crux of that track was that I could not go to heaven if I wasn't in the Lutheran church. A lot of people teach stuff like that. You don't find that in the pages of these books. And so what I'm wanting you to do is not just read over things as we're studying Hebrews and not just read past them. Stop and look and sit down and think, what is he saying? I, I am not adopted, but I can groan. I can anticipate when, when he comes back for that, my body to take me to glory, that's when he says, I'm going to redeem you. I get my inheritance, but now as I go back and I begin to read all of these passages in the New Testament, they begin to make sense why Jesus was saying what he was and why he didn't claim this or why he didn't, not until that resurrection. And now the verses of Scripture begin to open up and you begin to see how important this doctrine is. There's 20 different proofs. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't going to do this, but I have time. No, I'm not going to read them. There's 20 different ones uh, that just I found just in the first two chapters of the book of Hebrews, 20 different credentials that he is the son, the son of God. And in two chapters, 20 different credentials that he has there. But this is what I want you to do. I, I told this to some of the folks the other day. and I might, might have been in Sunday school. I can't remember if it was 15 minutes ago. I challenge you. I, I know we're in, into reading the Bible through the year. And I'm for that. And I do that. And I encourage you to do that. But how many of you, when you're at the end of that, you, you don't even know what you've read? I would rather that you do something like this and just take a verse or two and we was talking about this in our discipleship class today. Just take that verse and read it and read it again and read it again and stop. Don't have any other distractions. Stop and think. Think it through. Go word by word, phrase by phrase. Because we go past so much stuff and we don't even know what we've read. 
and, and good major doctrines like these things just go right past us and we accept what somebody else says and we start throwing that out. Well, yeah, I'm adopted. No, I'm not. We have to be careful that we don't just hear things and that's good enough. We have, God told all of us, not just the pastor, to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must slow down and stop. Take the phrases, take the words, and then as you look for Jesus, then make observations. What does this say about Jesus? Why could I, why could I read that and it said... Uh, his son whom he hath appointed heir. What's an heir? What does it mean appointed? You can get free Bible software. Uh, you know, eSword and some of these, they're free. And, and you have an, an intense library that any one of you can get for nothing. I mean a library that would cover that back wall there. So research is not a problem. And, and most of it, you know, just go to a dictionary, one of the Bible dictionaries, and that will help you. Forget all the commentaries. That's just man's opinion. But you get to the Word of God, and you begin to go word by word and find out what these things mean, and it will open up a whole new world of study and understanding in the Word of God for you. Think it through. We are so caught up. You realize, go home tonight when you're watching your TV or something, and I hope you're not watching that dumb debate. But anyway, uh, these guys just make me mad. On any old movie, TV show, you watch and you count. They only show you a clip of one to three seconds. It used to be Lone Ranger. I mean, we'd follow him for about a mile and a half chasing the bad guys, you know. Can't do it anymore. Why? We don't have the attention span, and that's why when we read the Word of God and we read two, three chapters, we have no idea what we've read. We don't have the attention span to lock in and, and, and get it. But you what? You, you count them. One to three seconds. Because we don't have the attention. We'll, we'll, they'll lose us. And we'll start thinking about popcorn or we'll start thinking about other things and, and we lose interest in their program. That's why we can't get anything out of the Word of God. We don't take time to sit down and think. Just take a verse. And I challenge you to start going through Hebrews. Look for Jesus. Write down your observations. Start, just go verse by verse. However fast you want to go, that's up to you. But just go verse by verse writing down your observations when you get to the end of that chapter now look at it as a whole and now take your observations and you make a summary what does this say about Jesus and when you get that all together and find out what it says about Jesus you've just come to know God because he said you've seen me you've seen the father he said I am the essence the very expressed essence of who God is so if we start looking for Jesus and really start becoming students of the word of God 
I'm telling you, it'll just, it'll bless your blesser. Amen. So this isn't, this hasn't been a preaching situation tonight. And I, I don't believe I actually got through with it, but, uh, Find out what it says. And don't just read over these things. And you say, well, I just can't figure this out. Well, give us a call. Call the pastor and say, what, what do you think about this? I, we do it back and forth to each other. I do it with guys overseas. I do it with my grandkids there in college. And Well, the professor said, well, what we do this all the time. And that's how you learn. There is no dumb question. And God is going to bless you. He wants you to know. Do you want to know? Is his word that important in our lives that we will stop, slow down, sit down, and just observe? Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the word of God. And I know I've gone fast, Lord, and there's a lot of, a lot of material there. And Lord, you know, if they have any questions, I'd be more than happy to take the time to sit down and explain these things. And there's so much more that we didn't cover. But Lord, I think we've got the essence that you made us your child. Lord, you made us that covenant child. And then, Father, as we got to an age that we were able to understand, you put us under tutors and governors. And you're helping us to grow. You're conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. So that one day, when you place us in that position, son placed at our adoption, what a joyous, what a wonderful, exciting time that we can look forward to. God, I pray that you'd have your way in each heart, each life. Help us to be students of your word. Help us to not just be hearers only, but doers of the word. That you might be just pleased with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother.